Father, as we head towards the time we remember the birth of your son, the arrival of the Lord Jesus uh, as a baby boy in a stable in a manger. This morning, Lord, I pray you would open our eyes once again to see you afresh. You would open our hearts once again to receive you to our hearts, into our lives. And Lord, you would remind us that you have come to us to save us, to redeem us, and to rescue us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Throughout the whole story of the Bible, God uses ordinary people to fulfill his extraordinary purposes. Throughout the story of the Bible, God uses ordinary people to fulfill his extraordinary purposes. And central to Luke's gospel, where we find this story right at the beginning, um, is the theme of salvation. Luke, in his gospel, and in Acts, but particularly in his gospel, wants to spell out and... uh, and underline and draw from kind of the Old Testament history the story of God's salvation. And through his gospel he shares the story of how God rescues and redeems his people uh, from their captivity through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, at this point in history, um, we know that the, the people of Israel were longing to hear from their God once again. They're longing to hear him speak because for centuries God hasn't spoken through a prophet. There's not been a prophet since, they, since the last one uh, in the Old Testament. Um, you know, they're wondering, has God forgotten us? Has God left us behind? Has God abandoned us? Not only do they wonder that, they've abandoned God. We're told in the story um, that many have turned away from their sin, uh, from God, and because of their sin. They've turned away from their maker, their creator, the one who calls them by name to their own way. Their country's occupied again. The Romans are now the occupying force. You know, their very existence as as the people of God seems to be under threat yet again. You know, the Romans at any point could tighten their grip on Jerusalem, could destroy the temple, could um, forbid them to worship, make them worship uh, the Roman gods, uh, worship the emperor. And so they know that their, their future, their situation is under threat. It's in this context, in this historical area, in this time in history... Um, that Jesus arrives. You know, Jesus isn't even mentioned in this passage. He's not, even, he's not even talked about. But everything in this story points to the arrival of Jesus the Messiah. And what we have to remember is this, is that Jesus came into a moment in history. Um, God became flesh and moved into the neighbourhood, as the message translation uh, states, uh, John chapter 1 verse 14. And that's what we mean by incarnation. Um, God took on Jewish flesh at this time, in this place, in this moment, to be with his people. He entered the world so that he could save and redeem it for his glory. You know, we see Mary and Joseph, an ordinary couple, becoming part of God's extraordinary story. Because we know that through the Bible we see God work out his purposes, uh, his extraordinary story, his extraordinary plan to redeem and save humanity. Uh, to redeem and save the whole of the cosmos through ordinary people like you and me. And this story all begins with two ordinary people, a Jewish priest called Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. They're described as righteous people who carefully kept God's commandments with a clear conscience. And two godly people went about daily life looking to honour God, to serve him, to do what they're called to do. Nothing more, nothing less. 
Um, but however, they have this deep pain. This deep pain of not being able to have children. Um, the story tells us that Elizabeth is unable to conceive. And now, um, the, the story says they're very old. You know, past childbearing age. They're unable to have children. And, you know, in being infertile, being unable to conceive in those days, it didn't just bring sympathy. It brought scorn and shame and gossip and slander. Because, you know, they would have thought, well, it must be God's punishment on you if you can't have children... That must be because you've done something wrong. You've sinned. You've turned away from God. And can you imagine these, these, this, this couple who are faithful to God in all they do, having to endure that scorn and shame? And I think Luke is at real pains here to, to underline that they were right in God's sight. That they were faithful to him and all that God wanted them to do. You know, the story we hear isn't just about a couple who couldn't conceive and then have a son. Um, It is about that, but it's about something bigger. It's about God fulfilling his promises. And this story is preparing us for the main event to come, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. You know, this ordinary but devout couple are in a long line of others through whom God has worked. And there's loads of hints in this story that point back into the Old Testament. You know, any, anyone reading this who knew the kind of big stories of the Old Testament would go, Ah, I see that now. You know, Abraham and Sarah, they were too old to have children, yet God miraculously intervened and they had Isaac. You know, we see the birth of Samuel where Hannah's unable to conceive and she goes into the temple and she cries out to God and, and, and Eli the priest thinks that she's drunk because she's just calling out to God, maybe hysterically even. And God answers her prayer and gives her Samuel. And we know the story of Samson who was, before he was born, was, his parents were told that they were to set him apart as a Nazarite. He was to take a vow, and very similar to the vow that John the Baptist was to take. He wouldn't drink uh, any alcohol and... And Samson was to be set apart, wasn't to cut his hair, we know the story. And we see with this couple here, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're drawn into this long story that started way before, uh, before they came on the scene. Even though Luke says it all begins with them, Luke is saying, well, this part of the story all begins with them, but the story began, began a long time ago. God's saving, saving plan through history began in the book of Genesis. It began as soon as humankind fell away from God, turned away from him. God said, you know, this isn't the end of the story. I'm coming after you. I will save you. I will redeem you because I love you, because you're made in my image. Zachariah and Elizabeth are drawn into this wonderful story of God's plan to save his people. And the central event in this passage is the announcement of the coming of John the Baptist. Um, and just to go through the story again, Zechariah's division of priests, they're on duty at the temple. That would have happened maybe twice a year. But, but Zechariah is chosen by Lot to go right into the kind of sanctuary of the temple to offer incense. And this was probably a once in a lifetime, maybe twice a kind of at best, opportunity to go for a short time right, right close to the Holy of Holies. Not into the Holy of Holies, but right into the centre of the temple to offer incense. You know... This is a chance for a priest to get as close as he can to his God. It's a special moment. It's a great time and opportunity. All we know is as Zachariah was offering incense, he would be praying because incense, the burning incense, the smoke that rises up is a symbol of the prayers of God's people rising to him. But you weren't in there for long, so whatever you're going to pray when you're in that space, you better pray quickly and to the point. 
Well, I don't know. If you were in Zachariah's shoes, you had this short period of time to offer your prayers to God. What might the prayers you be? What, what, what prayers might you pray? What would be the burning desire on your heart? Think of it this way. If God were to answer one of your prayers, which one would you want him to answer? If you had that short time, what is it that's kind of your number one priority, if you're really honest? Would it be for your most pressing and urgent need? I think it probably would. Would it be for healing? Would it be for a loved one? You know, I don't think we would be surprised if for Zachariah, his prayer was, God, would you give me a son? Would you give me a daughter? Would you just answer my prayers, our prayers for children? I'm sure that it had been such a great burden for them to carry. For him and Elizabeth to endure the gossip and the slander and the, and the kind of exclusion from society. Even though they were faithful to God, they might not have been part, an integral part of their own community. And I bet that longing, even though maybe it's waned, you know, the, the story says that they are older in years, maybe that had waned, but there's still a feeling of disappointment, isn't there? When our dreams are dashed, when our disappointments kind of come to the fore. What would be the prayer that we'd pray? If we were in Zachariah's shoes, what might we ask God for? And here's what I think happened in the temple. Zachariah is in the sanctuary offering incense. He's praying. And the angel Gabriel appears. And as is usual, and certainly through the Christmas story, as we see, every time an angel appears, the response is terror. Sheer terror. Nothing short of, oh my goodness, I'm probably about to die. You know, that happened in the Old Testament when Isaiah saw the kind of the glory of the Lord. He's, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, among a nation of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king, and this is probably the last thing that I'm going to see. That bit's not quite in the story, but I think it's what he meant. And Zachariah's terrified, um, but the angel says, don't be afraid. Again, the usual response. Angels appear, terrify people, then tell people not to be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Now, the word for prayer there is a singular thing. It's not a kind of, your prayers have been heard, your cries to God have been heard, but your one prayer that you've just prayed has been heard, and God will answer it. And Elizabeth, your wife, will bear you a son, who will be called John, and John will be great in the eyes of the Lord, the, 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 the story goes. He'll be set apart by God from birth, filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, will bring Israel back to God, and most importantly, preparing them for the coming of Jesus, the Saviour of the world. John is the fulfilment of God's promise in the Old Testament. In Malachi chapter 4, um, in fact it's a quotation, is that he will turn, the, this, kind of, this guy who's like Elijah is going to come, and turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children, the disobedient to God's wisdom. You know, John is a fulfilment of God's promise. Now we might wonder, did Zechariah just simply pray for his son? Was that his one prayer? Was that the one thing he prayed? I don't think it was. I think Zachariah's prayer was much more than simply asking God for a son. For his longing to be fulfilled. I think this is what happened. In the midst of the presence of God, in this once in a lifetime awesome event, that Zachariah lifted his eyes to heaven and prayed that God might save his people by sending the promised Messiah. I think that's what Zachariah prayed. I think that he was a good and faithful priest. And he knew the responsibilities of a priest were to represent his people to his God in that temple. He was a privileged man at that point, 
and he didn't take that lightly. I think that this is the prayer that the angel announced would be answered. I think that as Zechariah sought first God's kingdom for his people, and God answered his prayer by sending Jesus the Messiah, and by giving them the much longed for son that they wanted who would not only just be a gift to them as a son, but would play an integral part in God's saving purposes. John the Baptist would be the one who ushered in the Messiah, who prepared the people for the coming of his God. Much more than his simple prayer, God answered it. And all of us have those deep longings and desires, don't we? We all have a longing and a desire for something. Um, often those things occupy our prayers. They're the things that we can, you know, we, we would love to be able to pray about or think about something else, but they occupy our thoughts. Maybe we're like Zachariah, praying for a child or for a marriage partner or for physical healing, for reconciled relationships, for employment. Who knows what it might be? And it's right to pray about these things because God cares about the details of our lives. We know that. However, it is right at times to change our focus to the bigger picture. Jesus said this, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all things, all these things will take care of. All the things that are on our minds, all the things that worry us will be taken care of. You know, when we pray for anything, are we willing to be used by God in the answer of that prayer to bring about change? I believe Zachariah prayed for the Messiah to come, for God to save his people. And I think God answered his prayer and used him in the process. I think God used Zachariah and Elizabeth to make a difference in bringing in John the Baptist into this world, who ushered in. He prepared the way for the Lord, as his message was. And I've had countless conversations with people who don't think that in any way God could possibly use them. And they'll list off a reason that might be that there's current circumstances. You don't know my past or what I've done. I'm, I'm not gifted enough. I'm not quick enough. I'm not thoughtful enough. Um, I'm not intelligent enough. Um, when I'm married, I'll be able to serve God. When I've had children, I'll be able to serve God. When my children have left home, then I'll have time to serve God. When work gets better or easier or I've got more money, I'll be able to serve God. I'll be more available then. And so often I think we exclude ourselves when God wants to include us. And I think God wants to use us and include us in his saving purposes right now. I think today, this week, this Christmas, this season, God wants to use us. God wants to involve us in his saving purposes. The truth is is that when we think we're qualified, will that day ever come? I'm not sure it will. I'm not sure we'll ever feel like we've really got there. Not this side of of heaven anyway. You know, we'll have all those objections. And I think it's it's really interesting that Zachariah was just doing what he was supposed to do when God met him. I mean, yes, he had this amazing privilege, his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to offer incense, but he was just doing what his priestly division was doing. He was going to the temple. He was just doing the stuff he he did twice a year. And God met him in his everyday life. You know, that's the whole idea of incarnation. God meets us in our everyday life. God longs for his message, for for him to be incarnated, to be made flesh, wherever we might be, in our workplace or our family or our street or our, our block of flats or whatever it is. We encounter God there and God meets us where we are and uses us where we are to make a difference. 
And again, in the story, Zachariah is no spiritual giant, even though he's got this opportunity to offer incense. When the angel makes this big announcement of the birth of John, his response is not one full of faith, in comparison to Mary, who we hear about in the story a bit later on. He doesn't believe it. Do you blame him? I don't think I do. He wants a sign. He's too old and so is his wife. This isn't going to happen to us. Reminiscent of Abraham, isn't it? And Sarah, who laughed even. I know the sign that he gets is probably not the sign that he wanted. The sign he gets is you won't be able to speak until your son arrives. Now that's difficult for a man who doesn't believe one's coming. You know, a priest likes to speak. So I'm told. And, and so he's looking, he's been told you won't speak now till your son gets here. And so when he goes outside, or the people are waiting for him to finish offering his incense, and and they kind of have an idea that something's happened, but he's trying to explain to them with the hand gestures what had happened. Now, I don't know how that would work. How you can explain, you've met the angel Gabriel, he's spoken to you and said, your wife who's never had children and you're both too old, yeah, it would be something like this, or it would be something like flapping wings, I don't know. How do you explain with just hand gestures? And he did such a bad job, the only thing they thought was, oh, he might have seen a vision. Zachariah is just a normal guy with everyday struggles and doubts and uncertainties. And God used him. God used him powerfully. You know, a few years ago when I was a youth pastor, there was a couple um, who used to serve with me in the youth work. And they were great. They were amazing. Um, But they had absolutely no confidence that God would ever use them. Can you relate to that? I certainly can. They struggled with mental health issues in their family. They had significant financial difficulties and were both unemployed when I first met them. Um, They got involved in the youth ministry because I persuaded and worked on them and and just wanted to get them involved because I thought they were fantastic. But, you know, as they got involved, as they got alongside teenagers, their love and commitment and prayer and and kind of just a real way of doing life and honesty and integrity... God used them to minister to dozens and dozens of teenagers through creative arts, through just being honest, real people. You know, they just wanted to help and do their bit, even if they would constantly tell me that they were underqualified. And if they were here today, they would be shocked that I'm telling their story. God called them to give what they had to help teenagers to find Jesus and and help those teenagers become followers. And God gave them all they needed to do for it, and they were fantastic. Their circumstances, you'd never pick them, but they were amazing. Are your circumstances fantastic? Or actually, do you kind of think, goodness, it would be so much easier if? If I had more time, I could. If I was more gifted, I'd be able to. You know, Luke's gospel about Jesus all begins with two ordinary people, a priest and his wife. God's salvation plan involves using ordinary people like you and me to to play our part in his extraordinary story. You know, this Christmas might seem like every other Christmas. The family around, the presents are here, we're having food and the television and whatever else. And we know that Christmas is centred on the coming of Jesus. But have we yet invited him into that part of our celebrations? Actively done that and said, you know what? I found myself really challenged by that, and I work for the church. Have I invited Christ right into the centre of my celebrations? Because it's all about him. 
You know, have we thought that God might even want to work through us this Christmas? You know, maybe it's a, a, a God's prodding your heart to invite a neighbour to a carol service or to the, the children's carols next, next on Christmas Eve, the next Saturday. Maybe it's time to have a conversation with someone in your family. Maybe it's time to bring reconciliation where there's been fallout for years. Maybe it's just time to pray and to love others, to serve, to do whatever it is. But maybe God wants to use you to fulfil his salvation purposes through whatever means he can this Christmas. And to finish, I want to say this. If we are ordinary and if we are available, God will use us. If we are ordinary and if we are available, God will use us in his extraordinary plans. Can I invite us to stand and we're going to pray. I'd just like to take a moment of quiet and just ask the Lord to come by his spirit. Spirit of the living God, I pray would you fall afresh on us today. Do you feel unusable? God invites you to play an amazing part in his plan to save and redeem the world. Do you have a deep longing on your heart? The one prayer that you'd pray. God is your refuge and your strength. He hears your cry. He knows your heart and he loves you. And he's calling you to himself again this morning. Don't give up, he's saying. Be available, be ordinary and I'll use you. Come, Holy Spirit.